Joining me now on the phone is Dan Montgomery. Dan is the president of the Illinois Federation of Teachers. Dan, thank you so much for joining me. No, my pleasure. Thanks, Rick. Uh, how are you? Oh, I'm like everybody else. We're uh, all trying to make do here in uh, kind of a brave new world situation. It's uh, always interesting to come into the radio station on Sunday, even a gorgeous Sunday like today, and just the shock of seeing Chicago virtually deserted. Right, right. Yeah, I know. And then you think every once in a while, I think, well, I'll watch a hockey game, and we can't even do that. <laughs> no, but you can listen to the, the 2010 games, yep. including tonight at 6. Uh, oh, but, right. uh, yeah, and, and you know, I, I, I was actually, I have to admit, because we always talk, Dan and I talk about hockey and sports, but I was actually, for a brief moment, watching ESPN, where they were showing uh, two guys at a EA video game competition using Madden <laughs> NFL 2020. I mean, yeah. I, I'm, yes, I'm getting a little bit uh, starved for some sports right. action. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to check yourself every once in a while. <laughs> well, I, I, I wanted to have you on much earlier, and this actually kind of tied back to uh, when... Uh, Governor Pritzker uh, announced the the shutdown of the schools, and yeah. uh, you know now we're even past what the shutdown date would be. To uh, now we're looking at April thirtieth at the earliest. Although when you look at uh, the governor's daily press briefing, and he talks about when the apex of uh, the virus here in Illinois may hit, uh, it could be right around then. It could be late April, and and I, and I guess. You know what? What should we make of this school year? We're not like other states right now, where they have basically ended their school year. But are, are, are we in a position where we should just kind of look ahead, do that, and and figure out how to adjust from there? Well, I think um, you know, I think teachers and schools and school leaders have been really focused on what do we do in the moment here, right? And uh, when we first went out around April 16, 17, or excuse me, March 16, 17, you know, there were some school districts that were on spring break. At that time, remember, there were, oh, about um, maybe 24 school districts before the governor's order who'd already canceled in-person classes. Um, in southern Illinois, it's more typical that our schools, our schools get out in uh, mid to late May, a little bit earlier than a lot of districts up here. Um, uh, so I think, you know, the focus has been on trying to figure out what we do right now. Um, this week is spring break for my son, who's a sophomore in high school. It's spring break coming up here for uh, CPS as well. So, you know, uh, teachers and, and other school staff are, are, have been really focused on how do we do this. It, it's painful. It's painful because for a lot of reasons, uh, not just the absence of, you know, in-person communication and that human human experience, but we know, you know, so many of our kids don't have the same kinds of access to resources um, in terms of, you know, um, computers at home, tablets, iPads, things like that. Even the Internet. Uh, even the Internet, you know, and that that's true in the city of Chicago. It's true in the suburbs. It's true... There are places far downstate where uh, they don't even have good, you know, cell service in parts of, you know, depending on where you live. You might not have good cell service even at your home. I think there's um, parts of rural Illinois that are still on dial-up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, Belleville, uh, which is in the Metro East area, for instance, that's a district where we represent uh, folks. Um, they did a really neat thing. They were using their bus drivers to 
many ways. It helps keep the bus drivers working. They get paid. Uh, the bus drivers are, are delivering meals to the students out at home where they had various pickup spots. And the bus drivers were delivering and collecting back work, like they, the teachers had Xerox packets and things for students to do. And furthermore, they put these mobile um, hotspots in the buses, and they announced where the buses would be. I think they had three of them around the community at various times. So kids or anyone really in the community could go and, and be near the buses, and they were near parks and places where people could safely gather or be um, to get some Wi-Fi. But, I mean, yeah, right? So that's that's what we, we have here. And, and, and we're talking, and for folks who don't know Belleville, we're talking about, you know, a relatively – you know, like a suburb of, of yeah. St. Louis. Oh, yeah. I mean, it it's is. It this is, is yep. not this is not rural. You know, like Cairo or anything like that. You know, we're we're talking a very big part of uh, Illinois population in St. Clair County is is Belleville. So right. don't don't be thinking this is you know uh, somewhere in in rural Appalachia or something like that. Not a, not at all. And, and um, you know, I I heard a teacher talking a week or so ago. She was a CPS kindergarten teacher. Um, or I'm not sure if it's kindergarten, but elementary. And she said before they went out, she had asked her students, you know, what do you have at home for a computer or Internet? And, you know, she said maybe half of them said my mom's cell phone. So, you know, you have to then think about, well, how do you spin that out, right? You So that mom, maybe she's home, but maybe she's out at work every day. Um, you know, maybe that child could have some time, you know, on her cell phone doing some version of online work, possibly even if it's only watching some videos or something, but uh, there's other siblings maybe. What if there's an older sibling in high school? You know, so this is this is exposing, like I think, you know, I'm not the first person to observe this, but this, uh, this pandemic is exposing some serious weaknesses and fault lines in, in our country, and not only along, you know, race and class uh, and socioeconomic things, but just even along, you know, infrastructure um, in, in parts of our country. So um, if, you know, I, I keep thinking to myself, when we get through this, <laughs> if there's any good that can, can come out of this, it's that we really have a new resolve, you know, to uh, rebuild our country's human infrastructure, if you will, and everything like the things we're talking about. Well, and, and, and you know, I'll admit I take for granted the, the technology. I mean, it's it's how I work. And, you know, in, in media, we tend to be kind of ahead of the curve on some of the technology. But I was kind of thinking about how, you know, before uh, the pandemic, we were seeing all these great stories about, uh, or, or even commercials for 5G technology right. and, and how this was going to change the world. And here you're looking at, you know, 5G technology moving forward, whereas we're talking about, you know, there are families that don't even have access to, don't have access to Wi-Fi. Yeah. And, you know, and specifically in education, too, I mean, you, you think about it. I, I was talking to a friend of mine, a colleague of mine that I taught with when I was teaching full-time, uh, who's an English teacher in the high school. I said, well, how is it going? You know, tell me how teaching is going. And the very first words out of his mouth were, well, I can tell you this, online education is not the future. And, you know, we kind of had a chuckle about it. And, I mean, I, I think there's many people who will come out of this experience and say, ah, look at this, distance learning, it's the future. And what what I think we all are seeing, and I don't think it's just teachers and school staff, it's parents and it's students, 
Yeah, you know, there can be parts. I'm not saying there there shouldn't be ever online learning or it doesn't have a place or anything like that. It can do many wonderful things. But, look, we need the human connection. You need to get people in a room together. Children, young people, they need the guidance. And, and the human connection is the way we've taught, you know, since the beginning of humanity. And I don't think that's ever going to change. And I uh, I think anyone who thinks that even even where we can do this really well, that it's a replacement for in-person learning and all the things, if you really think about what happens in school, all the social skill building, all the, the teams, the sports, the clubs, theater, music, uh, whatever it is, all that it, it adds up to a kind of human building experience that we've managed to put together for our children, for better or worse. And But you, it can't be replaced online. And, um, you know, everybody soldiering ahead, doing their best. And there's some really great stuff happening. I hear about it every day. But, you know, make no mistake, it's um, it doesn't replace real school and, and where we'd all rather be together in one classroom, in one building. Sure, the the, the, the character building, the, the culture building, and you think of, you know, uh, as, as adults, you think of, you know, that fifth grade teacher that made such a big difference in, yep. you know, basically propelling you into, into your careers. Yeah, uh, that's so true. And, you know, I've heard we also represent folks in higher ed and community colleges and four-year institutions. And, and every day you can read online, I mean, if you just scan Twitter or Facebook and other social media, you can hear really compelling uh, testimony, if you will, from people who are teaching online. And mind you, in higher ed, there's a greater infrastructure for distance learning, right? I mean, that's been occurring for some time. So they already have, um, in a lot of disciplines, a sort of better means to deliver it. But time and again, you hear professors and instructors talking about the, the difficulties that their students are living through right now. Um, and uh, it is there's a great article in today's New York Times, I don't know if you saw it, about they profiled a few students who are undergrads and uh, Haverford College in Pennsylvania. And, you know, they have a, a girl there who's on total scholarship, and her parents are on a food truck in Florida. And, you know, the economic devastation here is, is hitting all these students, too. Absolutely. I mean, I, I did look at, uh, there was a piece that CNN uh, had online about uh, teachers trying to redefine class, and they only had a few days to kind of do it before uh, schools were shut down. Think about that. I mean, at least 124,000 schools have been shuttered across the United States. 124,000 schools. Yeah. Now factor in how many students. Uh, so, I mean, and obviously, you know, teachers still want to try to have a connection here. And and I guess... Uh, True. You know, and and as I said, some of these teachers, they only had a few days before schools shut down. They don't know what um, what electronic access they have. They don't know, you know, how, how, do, how do teachers in this atmosphere still kind of try to work to maintain that personal uh, environment with the right. students? Right. Um, Teachers I've been talking to, I mean, it's it's a kind of mishmash of a lot of different things, right? Um, if your school has some platform like a Google Classroom or a Blackboard or even Zoom, some schools are using Zoom, though. <laughs> We've all heard about some of the issues there. <laughs> yes, please. Um, uh, 
you know, they're, they're using them. Some schools are saying you should have class synchronously. In other words, they've created a new schedule and say, you know, Tuesday, Tuesday morning at 11 a.m., these classes will meet, you know, online. Um, and when I've asked my teacher colleagues, you know, what is that like? What sort of return are you getting? They're saying it, it varies. It kind of depends on the year. Um, they're sophomores, you know, maybe half of them. Uh, seniors, 30 to 40 percent of them. And then so then they follow up because you don't know what the story is there. Um, is there sickness in the home? Don't they have Internet access? So the teachers, a lot of them are, are making phone calls. Um, they're, they're putting out, you know, emails and things like that. One of the things in our discussions with the state board, and I have to just sort of say right here that the, the state board, I, I can't heap enough praise on um, one on the governor, but his uh, the deputy governor for education, Jesse Ruiz, state superintendent Carmen Ayala, and ISBE, the state board and their staff have been really terrific. And the kind of collaboration that we're doing, and we are on the phone every day around this, it's really very inspiring, and, and thank heavens it's working that way. But, um, you know, they're, one of the things we're saying there are like, look, you can't take attendance the same way, but we have to try to reach every kid. And so when, if, if you know, persistently you can't get a hold of someone, we're then saying, well, then that's when you've got to reach out and have counselors or social workers try to contact the family. In some cases, you know, I've heard stories, they just can't. You know, maybe the family left and went somewhere, you know, things like that. But um, it, it is a great concern. Um, I think teachers are teachers are really you know nothing if not creative and know how to do because just in, in the best of times the well the, the most well planned lessons you know you never can exactly predict what some sophomore is going to do third period in the middle of Julius Caesar you know what I mean or in third or fifth grade whatever so oh, students know. students can be very clever yes <laughs> so students so the so teachers have to you know think through creatively and they do. So people people are using kind of everything in the tool book and then you know learning stuff on the fly here. You know, if you if you didn't know Blackboard, Blackboard or Zoom, you know, people are really trying to learn this stuff quickly. But again, um you know, I don't think anyone is is under any pretensions that that we're all going to we're all going to get through the rest of the curriculum like we had been able <clears throat> excuse me, had been able to or been anticipating. Um you know, there's there's thinking about grades, right? And we're we're doing grades in a such a way that kids can help the grade, you know, raise a grade from where they were on March 17th up, uh, but not let kids get hurt in terms of grades. Um, but there's a lot of questions, you know, that we need guidance from the state board, and they're working on it towards graduation requirements and things like that. Um, and we don't. I think the big thing in the education community is we don't want kids to be hurt by this, by this. I know it sounds odd because everybody's being hurt, right? But we want to minimize the interruption, the the setbacks that they're going to experience and uh, and help them. We're speaking with Dan Montgomery, the president of the Illinois Federation of Teachers. And uh, Dan, you've got into a point I was going to ask you about is we don't know the kids don't deserve to be hurt by this. Right. And and yes, we've all been hurt to some degree or what. But it. But I mean, to me, you know, I, I I look at this as, you know, are we approaching kind of a lost year? Well, 
You know, you have to remember we've we've got we got about three quarters of the way through the year. Okay, so let's not forget that, right? We a lot of great stuff happened. Um, I I don't I would sort of reject the idea. I've heard someone say this. Well, it's a whole lost year. Uh, let's 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 hang on to that. And for the kids' sake too. I mean, you can spend time, and a lot of teachers I know are spend, spending time right now, kind of reviewing and and making more concrete things kids have already learned now, and that's of great value. It really is. Um, so if you're, let's say you're in the CPS or you're up in a lot of school districts in this area, you've had your spring break or you're having it this week, and then you've got about a month of school left, May, and a couple of weeks or a little bit more or a little bit less, depending on where. Um, so uh, I, I don't, I wouldn't say it's a lost year. Um, I, you know, we really, I really feel for the, the seniors in high school. I mean, I taught high school and this is a time of year that there's a lot of capstone events. You know, there's prom, <laughs> there's commencement. There's so many things that are rituals that you look forward to for your four years of high school, and, and that's hard. And getting into college and wondering like that, and those are big questions. Um, but I'm confident, you know, I, I, who knows what the future holds in terms of how long we're in this phase and what the beginning of next year will be look like. But you know, we will get back to school. There will come a day we are on the other side of this, and we'll have to take stock. And and the learning that that has been lost during this this time, you know, yeah, it's not going to be easy. But we can work harder and and bring kids back up. And and uh, so you know, they are kids are so resilient. And I mean, the the other thing I would say is I'm hearing great stories about the kids at this moment. You know, asking their teachers, "How are you?" And the, the children and young people—they're—they're they're just so magnificent. And and you know, we have to really be tuned into their their emotional growth and state at this time to try to support them, uh, because there is a lot of fear and it's it's uncertainty, which is hard. So. I, I try to be optimistic, and I know our, our teaching staff does that, too, and every day kind of bucking up the students and saying, yeah, this is a setback, but it's nothing we can't get over. And, and I mean, maybe last year was too harsh a phrase, but I guess maybe just the fact that, you know, are, we will have to look at some remedial education when this is over. Yeah, I mean, and again, there you get into differences, you know, real gaps in, in race and class and, and money and socioeconomic standing and resources. Um, and that's where we want our public schools to make up the difference, right? Um, uh, but, yeah, uh, and there are big fiscal questions hanging over the state and everybody going ahead, too. And, you know, thinking about, well, if we add learning time back, how do we do that? How do we pay for it? How do we run buildings and staff for extra time? Will people come? When right. do we do that? You know, um, will they be, will they come? You know, if we build it, will they come? Um, you know, if if schools start somewhat early somewhere in this in the fall, say earlier than normal, to try to make up time, is that something a community is going to want? Those are going to be community decisions uh, done by school boards around the state, uh, but they will also be tied to fiscal constraints. So, um, you know, that's. That's one of the many things everybody's thinking about right now uh, is what could that look like and what are other things we can do. I'm sure you will see that all of us in the education community kind of trying to provide more and more summer resources that will be free so it's not dependent on your parents' ability to pay uh, that kids can do, even if it's not required, but kids can do to um, not, not lose too much. 
I mean, there's just, as I said, it's just, it's so much uncharted waters here. And I mean, for example, you know, how do you, how do you do grades uh, when, mm-hmm. in, yep. in this kind of atmosphere? Yeah, well, uh, exactly. I mean, I, I, so, I mean, teachers can still give comments and they still are. I've talked to, you know, my field is English, so I'm always talking to English teachers and they, you know, they're still having papers written. Um, and, uh, and that's, that's relatively easy to do remotely, where you can give feedback on a on a piece of writing. Um, but all sorts of work is still being done. We we've been pushing and promoting this idea of capstone projects at the end. We get close, so maybe you haven't gotten through the entire uh, curriculum for you know AP U.S. history or what have you. But can you do a, a project that's really going to help the kids grow um, and that they can learn continually? Uh, having them do a big project as a sort of a year-end thing, and those things often, especially in the upper grades, are they're fairly independent work. You know, you can keep checking in with the teacher, but students can do a lot on their own. Um, I think it, it's harder, you know, in the lower grades 